Hi, and welcome back to Unsighted, the internet's least reliable English lit podcast. I'm Chantel. And I'm Amy. And what's up? Amy doesn't have COVID anymore. Twitter might be gone by the time this comes out. And what's up, guys? Yeah. So Amy doesn't have COVID anymore, but Amy does have severe asthma now. It used to be mild asthma, but now it is use your puffer at your desk kind of asthma. So that's fun and interesting, I guess. Tragic. Tragically, not very hip. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. It's not actually fine. I'm going to the doctor. We've been around the block and I think we'll keep going around the block. That's true. We will keep going around the block. And we have a lovely community. Um, And if Twitter is gone by the time this comes out, you can still find us on Instagram at UnsightedPod. Also, side note, if you hear weird sounds, my kitten, she's not a kitten, she's six years old. She's a full cat. (laughs) My kitten really wants to go outside. And she's not allowed to go outside right now because it's super hella dark. And also there's holes in my fence. And she likes to wait till it's dark and then go through the holes in my fence. And she's not allowed out of the yard. She's only allowed in the yard supervised. Um, And she knows that. But she does not care. No, she's a cat. And if you hear weird sounds on my side, it's because I'm in a completely different room because Sam is playing Pokemon in the living room. So I'm in the office. I'm missing out on Pokemon right now so that I can be here with you guys. That's the real MVP. That's love, Chantal. It is love. Thank you. I love all y'all. So today, we are going to be talking about the Salem Witch Trials again, as per requests that we received. I like how what started as me being like, it's fine, Chantal, I have an episode. You don't have to do the labor for this one. I'll just do the crucible. It's going to be fine. And it became like a three episode series. (laughs) Where you did most of the work. Our longest series of all time. If you don't count like the comparative essays. Yeah, this is fine. Yeah. So today we're talking about, I hesitate to call it a primary source. It's a book by someone who was there, but also seems super delusional. So it's like a primary but unreliable source. Yes, it's a primary unreliable as hell source. Like us. Just like us. We are so primary. (laughs) We're so primary. That's the top level of school that we should have been allowed in. You know what? Probably. (laughs) That's where we peaked, I think, you know? And then it was anxiety all the way up. So yeah, Cotton Mather wrote a book called On Witchcraft, which is not to be confused with his other book that he wrote, Wonders of the Invisible World. He was one of the witch trial guys. He was a witch hunter. Okay, so like, so you know how we we covered Good Omens? Yes. That's that's the comparison. Hand gestures vaguely. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like there were witch hunters, pulsifer guys. Just like that. Yeah. I'll read to you the description on Goodreads of the book, which I will probably cut out some of, and then I will tell you why he was writing books about this. So Goodreads says, in this fascinating account of witches and devils in colonial America, the renowned and influential minister of Boston's Old North Church attempts to justify his role in the Salem Witch Trials. Mather also believed the fantastic accusations of those who accused their neighbors of witchcraft. The theologian's book, published first in 1692, provides readers with guidelines on discovering witches, explanations for how good Christians are tempted by the devil to become witches, and methods of resisting such temptation. The great Boston minister also provides testimony from a number of similar trials, describes instances of witchcraft in other countries, and explains the devil's predicament in dealing with Christians. Christianity. So the part that I want to talk about most today is him talking about 
the witch trials. But basically what I read was that he was writing books about witchcraft because the government was like, hey, we did a bad. We know we did a bad. You know we did a bad. All the people now voting to unexcommunicate the people we hanged know we did a bad. So can you write a book saying we actually did a good? So like it's it's revisionist history. It's revisionist history for sure. I believe most of what he says happened at the trials because it's kind of like and then this happened and then this happened and it's all invisible stuff but it's literally like girls were standing there and screaming like yeah i believe that happened right that's the whole witch trials thing so it's not like crazy banana pants out of the realms of possibilities that the events happened it's just that the spin he puts on it's kind of crazy banana yeah pants. it's all the stuff that he puts around it that's like yeah and they did that because the devil told them to it's kind of like a lot of the war literature that's been going on in like the world or whatever uh, talking about the first world war specifically because it's the one i have the most knowledge about like there were a lot of books detailing the events of the war that had happened obviously but they had such like a patriotic spin on them mm. or like a super pacifist spin on it like none of it was like just pure accounts right because you can't have a non-biased account yeah there is no pure account no unlike what history bros will tell you yeah rough <laughs> <laughs> I have a good friend who listens to this podcast named Anne. Hi, Anne. Hi, Anne, who studied history and she was talking about how there are so many like history bros that say they like to read unbiased history. So that's why they like war history. I'm like, oh, man, I have some bad news for you, my guy. <laughs> Uh, so I, I majored in English, we know this, but I also minored in history, theoretically also minored in linguistics, that's a separate story. The education system is a sham and didn't want to give me two minors, whatever. And the amount of times that I've been in classes where people like took facts for cash, <laughs> even though like there was a completely different source saying the complete opposite, like you have to look at history as if the author of the source you're writing isn't dead. Yeah, everyone had a motivation for writing what they wrote at the time. Yeah, like so much of like an English degree is, you know, believing the author is dead. It doesn't matter what the author meant because the author is dead and we don't care. We look at the text. Mm -hmm. But a lot of history stuff, you can't think of the author as being dead because the author had a reason to write it the way that they did. And you have to pay attention to that to be able to critically think about the piece of history you're looking at. Yeah, totally agree. So anyway, Cotton Mather, full of garbage, full of garbage historian we're talking about right now. I mean, okay, not that like Mwatsitsuba didn't have its problems of being an unreliable source. I would not say that was a historical novel. I would say that's a stretch. <laughs> so firstly, I have mentioned some witches that are my favorite witches from the Salem Witch Trials. The reason there I have favorite witches from the Salem Witch Trials is because of this book. Okay. And I would like to talk about them in order of how much I now like them after reading more about them. Okay. But can you tell us where they were situated beforehand? Yeah. Um, Giles Corey and Martha Carrier used to be my tops, mm -hmm. and Martha Corey was under that. Oh, okay. So now, of my three favorites, mm -hmm. my least favorite is Giles Corey. Oh, that's so strange. So we know Giles Corey's story. Yeah. Cotton Mather ordered his pressing to get him to confess there was a belief that like he didn't want to put in a plea or like confess to being 
being a witch because he wanted the land to be passed down to his son. So Mm -hmm. we all thought he was a big badass. He spent like two or three days in the lot beside the courthouse naked with a board on top of him with them putting rocks on top and he just kept yelling more weight. Mm -hmm. Also in the Cotton Mather story, I don't know why he's outing himself like this, but he says that at one point he stands on the board with the rocks and Giles Corey's tongue like sticks out of his mouth and Cotton like uses his cane to push his tongue back in. I'm like, why would you, first of all, why would you do that? And then second of all, why would you like write that for people to read about you? Like that's not a good thing actually. I feel like when the government was like, explain that we did it good, Cotton Matters didn't understand the assignment. He did not. I think maybe Cotton Mather was like a sadist. And he thought that was like a normal thing. You like, you know how people now who have really problematic opinions think that everyone secretly thinks that way and that uh-huh. everyone else is just lying and they're the only ones who are honest. I sure. think maybe that was Cotton Mather. Okay. Everyone wants to stand on rocks on a board on an 80 or one year old man. Sure. Anyway, yeah. Giles Corey was 81 and he died. So I said in our Crucible episode that I thought he was really cool. Yeah. But I have a correction to issue. Okay. So apparently in his youth, he had really known anger issues and there was an incident where he beat his farmhand to death with a stick. Yikes. And he confessed to doing it and everyone knew he did it and his only punishment was that he was fined monetarily. So it did taint his reputation in Salem. And that is kind of one of the reasons that it sounds like he was accused of witchcraft eventually. He was married to one of the other people that I'm going to talk about today, Martha Corey. And she was one of the first people to doubt that the Salem witch trials were like legitimate because they were going to pre-trial conversations at the courthouse. And she was like, this does not seem like they're doing good faith arguments and like good faith lines of questioning. I don't think we should Mm -hmm. go anymore. She hid his saddle to like try to make him not be able to go to the courthouse to do the pretrial interviews. Mm -hmm. So that started raising suspicions about her. Right, because why would you stop your husband? Yeah, Yeah, why doesn't she want people looking into this witch thing? So she got accused of being a witch and Giles actually testified against her. Yikes. Less than a month before he was arrested and his evidence was that there was one time at night when he was trying to pray but he couldn't there was one time at night when he saw her kneeling by the hearth as if in prayer but she wasn't saying anything god forbid women sit near something warm i know don't do that there was one time his ox came back out of the woods and was having trouble walking animals being put in the woods and then experiencing limping Hmm, never would have thought about that and there was another time that his cat was really sick and she said the cat's in pain you should put the cat down and he said no and then the cat got better illnesses unpredictable yep with the state of veterinary medicine in like what is this like the 1670s i'm gonna say these are all just normal things happening and he was like yep definitely she's a witch his wife i don't know he's not a wife guy he's also not like a boss guy Mm -hmm. not a good husband not a good boss we know some of those 
<laughs> he didn't always think she was a witch forever after he got accused he was like oh this is what was happening to her and he changed his mind and he wouldn't testify against her anymore but it's like the damage done bitch yeah like, that's yeah. the bare minimum back to like what happened to him in the trials so I learned more about it the torture thing happened because he was using a legal tactic called standing mute which was after you plead not guilty to the court they say will you accept a trial by a jury of your peers and if you don't say yes then they can't try you so he didn't say yes he wouldn't say anything and english law at the time which is what america was under ordered that anyone who stood mute should be tortured to try to get them to talk and when they did it to giles Corey, that was the first time it was done in america and the thing with his land and his son yeah. like wanting to pass his land to his son i found out that was a myth oh. and he had actually already deeded his land to his kids in case the sheriffs tried to take it because he knew that they were looking into him he he knew that was something they were doing. Right. So it's just kind of embellished for the storytelling of like the crucible or whatever. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. The source I was reading was saying it was like he was withstanding the torture so that he wouldn't have to deal with like the stigma on his family of a guilty verdict of him being a witch. Right. I don't think so. Like what I think a lot of it is when you start to be crushed, you can't really stop and survive very well that's a good point yeah but it was like two or three days of torture so that's like i don't know i wouldn't go through it but i don't think he was doing it for his family i would i honestly think he was doing it just because he was so stubborn he sounds like mm. a really stubborn person yeah and wasn't there a quote in the crucible from a person who said like they wouldn't testify about anything because they had no respect for the court um it is a thing that's been done that i remember us talking about but i don't remember in what context it definitely happened it might have been john proctor i don't know so here's a fun fact about giles Corey before we move on to his wife there was a rumor that he cursed the sheriff before he died well fair that like he was under the rocks and he was like i curse you and this town or whatever so that sheriff died four years later of a heart attack and then every other sheriff as far back as anyone could remember had either died or had to leave office because of heart problems until they moved the sheriff's office in 1991. Hmm. I wonder if that's like an environmental thing with the building, like lead or something. It's like, it's all different heart problems. So it was like a really rare blood condition. One of them, a bunch of them had heart attacks. One hmm. of them had like low blood pressure or something. It seemed like it was all different heart stuff. Yeah, it's weird. It is really weird. And only the sheriffs right like yeah not everybody else not other right. people who worked in the building right so i don't know i kind of believe in curses so maybe that's spooky <laughs> we gotta call the spooky gingers <laughs> that's a reference to haunted hospitality podcast shout out shout out to like our first ever swap of promo promos swap. yeah good times good times okay moving on to martha Corey. She seems cool. Yeah. She seemed like a very cool, but like normal and pious woman of the time. She had a mixed race child before she met Giles, which was not unheard of, obviously, but it was still like, I I would say it was a good sign about a person's stance on racism back then. Yes. Like positive. Yes. Positive sign. She was the first person of social status to be accused of witchcraft in Salem because she was a member of the local church. She was accused by Anne Putnam Jr., who is a character in The Crucible, right? And Putnam is a character. The junior, not so much. Okay. I think. Unless 
they remove the junior for the sake of the book. Yeah, she's a child. Okay, Okay, so Anne Putnam Jr. was like a kid, probably like 11-ish. And she said that Martha's spirit attacked her. And everyone was like, what? This church lady? I don't think so. So Edward Putnam and Ezekiel Cheever decided to investigate. Well, you know when somebody Ezekiel, you know. <laughs> I love the names for back then. Also, like, there's four different people named Martha that I've come across. So they decide to investigate by going to Ann Putnam's house and asking what Martha was wearing when she attacked her. And then going to Martha's house and seeing if Martha's wearing the same thing that Anne said she was wearing during the attack. Right. I don't know what their logic is for not thinking spirits can change clothes, but we'll roll with it. Anne, when they get to her house, said she couldn't see what Martha was wearing because Martha's spirit temporarily blinded her. Awfully convenient. But how did she know if she was blinded? That's a great question. Like, how did she know if it was Martha? Yeah. That's an incredible question. Maybe she knows her voice. The vibes, I guess. I guess it's just the vibes. Just bad vibes. Mm -hmm. And then they went to Martha's house to anyway to see mm-hmm. what was up and just chat and ask questions feel the vibes I feel the vibes and here's a excerpt from the legal executions in New England book that was cited in the source that I read it says even before greetings could be exchanged Martha Corey astounded her guests by surmising their purpose I know what you're coming for said she you're come to talk with me about being a witch her tone was annoyingly smug rather abashed the men admitted that such was so then they spoke of what Anne Putnam had said that day. Then Martha Corey delivered another bombshell. But does she tell you what clothes I have on? This time her tone was an intolerable blend of smugness, contempt, and mockery. As far as Putnam and Cheever were concerned, this incident clinched the case against Martha Corey. Not only was she guilty in their eyes, but impudent as well. I don't like this. Being snarky like you would be on Twitter is not a fucking crime. I mean... Like clapping back is not a crime. (laughs) Subtweeting is not a crime. I could see where they would think it's suspicious that they were like, hey, Anne Putnam accused you of witchcraft. And she was like, but did she say what I was wearing when that's exactly the line of questioning they were going to take? I can see that. But also like they didn't consider that... If Anne went up to Martha and was like, oh, like I'm going to accuse you of witchcraft. Here's what I'm going to say, like, you know, Mm. this is a small town. They're fucking catty, you know? Yeah, but like what she was wearing, that was the men's questioning. But also like someone could have heard them say that they were going to ask that and then gone to Martha and say, well, they're going to ask this, you know? Very suspicious, but like also kind of annoying. It's easily explained. Yeah. And then no one defended her. Mm. Not even her husband. Not even her husband. More to come on that. (laughs) And more girls came forward saying that she also bewitched them. So she was going to get arrested. And on the day she was going to get arrested, remember how she was a member of the church? Yeah. So it was illegal to serve arrest warrants on a Sunday. As it should. And they decided that they were going to arrest her on a Sunday. Um, or, or like a Saturday night, but they couldn't. They had to wait till Monday. Right. So she used that free Sunday to go to church and to worship 
And then everyone knew that she was going to get tried as a witch. And they were like, well, she's worshiping the devil in our church. And they couldn't do anything about it legally. So that was awesome. I like that. She did that. Interesting. <laughs> Imagine going to church and worshiping the devil. That's not how that fucking works. <laughs> well, it's not how it works. So during the trial, Giles, her husband, testified against her. He refused to corroborate that he told her about Putnam and Cheever coming to visit and ask about the clothes, even though she said that he was the one who told her see um and so there was like chaos for that and then there was also chaos because there was a bunch of girls there and every time she moved her head they threw themselves on the ground and started having a fit i hate teenagers and they also were yelling that they saw a yellow bird flying around her the yellow bird yeah yellow bird and that they saw a man whispering in her ear presumably the devil i don't know it couldn't have been the jesus (laughs) so yeah and she was found guilty and she was arrested before Giles was arrested but she was killed after Giles so his whole story happened like within her story right. and while she was being hanged for witchcraft she was praying like on the way to being hanged yeah and I think my theory is that like she was one of the ones who was just too pious to lie yeah. to save herself because if you know if you admitted to being a witch then you wouldn't get hanged but she she obviously was really pious so they believed that like if you sin then you are damned to hell and because they're not catholic they don't have the whole going to the church and being forgiven for your sins thing confessional i think that they still have they don't have confessional but i think you can just like pray and be forgiven just like organically it's not in a box but yeah there's catholic confusion (laughs) or maybe you couldn't be forgiven i don't know i actually don't know how puritan theology works so ignore me we go to a priest and we go forgive me father for i have sinned and then they tell you you know my child it's okay we all make mistakes like just say like for my father's and hail mary's and you know do a good deed and then you're like great keep living your life yeah which i think is like an interesting concept of like being able to be forgiven um you probably should be able to forgive yourself for the things that you've done wrong but uh i think that's probably the point yeah i think she basically sacrificed her earthly body for her heavenly soul which is like the whole point of a lot of christianity right it's getting to that end point of like being with the creator and whatever you know the people love who made it to heaven sure we know giles Corey didn't go there so next up guess what it's another martha oh one of the three marthas that i personally found accused of witchcraft not martha stewart she was accused of tax evasion <laughs> so next we've got martha carrier who's got a very different story and she's she was my favorite she's still my favorite so we have a martha Corey and then a martha carrier yes and her niece is also named martha cool well not cool because you know witch trials and whatever sad but interesting okay interesting so she was not a woman of the church she was married with a kid but everyone knew that the kid was conceived out of wedlock which was a crime at the time just because of like the timing she had the kid two months after they got married okay yeah that's not even premature no <laughs> <laughs> like i can see like you know a couple months premature being like yeah whatever but yeah no. okay there's nothing wrong with having kids out of wedlock i was born out of wedlock whatever it happens mm-hmm. but it and was okay it was illegal though at the time like it was the crime of fornication yes um so she already had like some stigma around her her scarlet letter her scarlet letter if you will her records seem to show that her family was banished from a town that they lived in at one point and we don't know why Hmm. she had six kids 
And here is a little bit from her court documents. Mm -hmm. During the examination, Abigail Williams, Elizabeth Hubbard, Susanna Sheldon, Mary Walcott, and Anne Putnam Jr. accused Carrier of hurting them and trying to force them to sign the Devil's Book, which Carrier denied according to court records. The afflicted girls then accused Martha Carrier of killing 13 people in Andover, which she responded to by telling the judges that it is a shameful thing that you mind these folks who are out of their wits. I mean, yeah. She was the sassiest, and I love her. Originally, she was accused by Anne Foster, who was a 72-year-old widow who was accused of witchcraft, who confessed to witchcraft. And then threw people under the bus with her. Yeah. Here's your freedom. Get us somebody else. Yeah. She obviously did not care. And she was accused by her sons. Mm. She had two teen sons. They were arrested and the court questioned them. Their names were Richard and Andrew and they wouldn't say anything. But then they were tortured and then they obviously talked. They said whatever Mm -hmm. the court wanted them to say. Yeah. John Proctor sent a letter from jail to the Boston clergy saying that there was torture used in the Salem witch trials and he named Richard and Andrew in the letter. He said, here are five persons who have lately confessed themselves to be witches and do accuse some of us of being along with them at a sacrament since we were committed into close prison, which we know to be lies. Two of the five are Carrier's son's young men who would not confess anything till they tied them neck and heels till the blood was ready to come out of their noses and tis credibly believed and reported this was the occasion of making them confess that they never did by reason they said one of them had been a witch a month and another five weeks and that their mother had made them so who had been confined here this nine weeks so like their mom was in jail and like during the time she was in jail is the time that they said right their stories didn't line up yeah l woods would have figured this one out yeah but they they didn't want accurate testimonies they just wanted testimonies so yeah she was accused by a bunch of people also her sons accused like some of the accusers Mm. they accused mary lacy who was one of the accusers and elizabeth proctor yep and richard carrier was one of the people who accused Martha and Giles Corey. Okay. So here's some things that I remember from her trial. Mather's book refers to her as the Queen of Hell. And that was something that Mary Lacey Jr.'s testimony said. Okay. That the devil said to her that she should be a queen in hell. Mm. Which I think, you know, like if it was going to be anybody, she's a pretty cool person to do it. Might as well. Might as well. It says in the source that I read yesterday that her neighbor John Rogers testified against her that seven years ago he had a disagreement with her, after which she used threatening words against him, quote, as she often used to do. Oh, wow. She had a temper. If only she had been a man. <laughs> like, there was some suspicious things happening with his pigs that I'm not going to get into. But yeah, he he also said that, like, she told him that he was going to suffer for what he did to her. And then his foot started to swell and he developed a pain in the side that later became a sore. And then after she got arrested, it got better. It kind of seems like karma to me. The human body be like that sometimes. Yeah. My favorite story and the one that made me really like her is that one person
Anderson, one of the girls who spoke against her, said that um, while she was testifying, Martha's spirit was grabbing her throat and twisting her head to stop her from testifying. Mm -hmm. And Martha's testimony is what I like to describe as the did you die defense. (laughs) Okay, but did you die? (laughs) She said, I couldn't find the quote again. So this is from my memory from like six years ago. But I think she said it would have been better if I had twisted your head all the way around. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, good. Because it's like, I mean, you're right. You're right. She was basically like, okay, you're wrong. And let me tell you why you're wrong. If it were me, then I personally would kill you to stop you testifying. You're still testifying. Therefore, twasn't me. <laughs> I wouldn't have half-assed this thing. Like, <laughs> I will commit to murder before I let you do any of this nonsense. Like, if I were truly a witch, I would commit to the bit. Think hot more highly of me and my perfectionism. <laughs> oh, so yeah, I love her. We stand in anxious queen of hell. <laughs> yeah. So those are my favorite witches. And Cotton Mather was all like, and they were evil. And I'm like, "Mm, you're just kind of making them sound really cool. Maybe he's evil. Yeah. Well, we know he is. He stabbed, put someone's, his cane in someone's mouth. That's yucky. It's very yucky. So that was on witchcraft. What did you think? I thought it was um, interesting to hear your information about it, even though at points my brain decided to zone out because I still have the COVID brain fog. I'm so sorry. I've had a long day. Well, if we can push through your COVID brain fog for just a second more. Yeah. On a scale of one to 10, not witches, how would you rate this book? Like a six. Why a six? We don't like the author. Okay. But still like a passing grade though. Yeah. But like there's work to be done. Mm-hmm. You know, there's room mm-hmm. for improvement. Uh, good, not great. Could be better. You like that we get the story, but the source could be much better. The source could be better. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. That's the vibes. I thought it was interesting, but I would not go as far as to say it was a six. I would say it was like a four. Okay. Well, I didn't read it. I only got your accounts <laughs> and that was pretty fun. Well, thank you so much. I did a lot of filtration to get it. So so I feel like that's a 50, which is like a barely a pass. Um. <laughs> Four out of ten is a fifty. No, like if we put our our oh your four and my six, <laughs> okay. the average yes. is fifty. <laughs> no, Math is hard. <laughs> no, you're right. I'm tired. Maybe I have COVID brain fog. Is it contagious? I caught only the brain fog from you through video chat. Yes, that's how that works. That was fun. I think that is all of the Salem witch trial things that we read. We've exhausted a a storyline. Woo! (laughs) We have made it to the end of our illustrious series. So thank you so much for listening to that. Next time, we will be talking about something else. If you want to hear more of us, you can hit the little subscribe button. We would also really appreciate if you could go up to like the top of your little app before you X out and just do a little five star. And if you're really keen, then um, we love reading reviews about us. Yeah. And you can also um, share our episodes on your Instagram stories because let's be real, Twitter's dead. So you can find us for now, I guess, on Twitter at Insided Pod and on Instagram for as long as Meta owns Instagram. I guess. And I don't know, maybe we'll figure out a Tumblr. Uh, We'll see how that shakes out. Yeah. So thanks for joining us on this journey. And we hope to see you in two weeks. And as always, we're excited. Unavailable. Did you 
you know that apparently when you have the hiccups, if you try to remember that you're not a fish, your hiccups will stop. <laughs> what? Apparently hiccuping. And this is, okay, this is something I saw on Instagram. I did not fact check it. We're completely unreliable. But apparently if you hiccup, it's an old biological function of when we were fishes, like evolution-wise. So if you remember... I'm not a fish. Your brain will snap out of it. What the heck? I don't think that's accurate. <laughs> probably not, but it would probably help. That's going at the end of the episode. Yep. Okay.